I'm Francis Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Hey, it's Kimberly, host of the Start Me Up podcast. If you like your politics with some loose talk and salty language, you're going to love my show. I interview the coolest people like Mary Trump, Kathy Griffin, and DNC chair Jamie Harrison. The Start Me Up podcast has an easygoing, casual style and a strong emphasis on left-leaning politics. We also have frank discussions about sex and more than a few spirited rants. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup or wherever you get your podcasts and start listening today. Thanks to Third Love for supporting Mueller, she wrote, special coverage of the Mueller report. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com report to find yours today. And thanks to the podcast The Primary Ride Home. Join This American Life contributor Chris Higgins daily as he covers the upcoming primaries for the 2020 election. Search for Ride Home in your podcast app and subscribe to The Primary Ride Home today. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello and welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. This is part one of the Mueller, She Wrote special coverage of the Mueller Report. Uh, I'm your host, A.G. With me, as always, are Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. And I'm excited. We're going to do a deep dive and page by page into the Mueller Report. Uh, probably a 10-part series could end up being 11 or 12, depends on how long this goes and how redacted it is. I tried to do a great breakdown of it, but so far, we'll see. I mean, things can come up, new stories drop that could elongate some of the episodes, and we want to get every single piece of this for you. Because this shit's not over. No, it's so far from over. Uh, and this... Uh, these episodes will be released every Thursday evening in our main feed for you. So uh, we hope that you enjoy them. Share them with people. Uh, you don't need to be a patron to get this. These are public episodes. Share them with people who you think need to read the Mueller report that might not have read it, which is probably everybody since uh, only 3% of people have read it. Except yeah. you guys. I, I bet you guys all read it. So um, please feel free to share it with anyone who, who you say, hey, you want to be entertained and hear what's on the Mueller report? Here you go. 
Uh, today we're going to go over the first 13 pages of Volume 1, including the introduction, the executive summary of Volume 1, and Section 1 titled The Special Counsel's Investigation. So uh, let's get right into the introduction, you guys. The opening statement is sobering, and it says the Russian government interfered in the 2016 presidential election in a sweeping and systematic fashion. Mueller confirms that the Russians hacked the DNC and released the hacked materials through WikiLeaks in July, October, and November of 2016. Mueller also confirms that the investigation into whether Trump coordinated with Russia was opened after a foreign government contacted the FBI regarding an encounter with Papadopoulos in May of 2016. This is important because we know that Trump and his minions like Nunes and Jim Jordan and Tim Meadows and countless of his supporters would have you believe that the investigation was opened on the Steele dossier. And that's simply not true. Do you think that's officially a dead theory? No, they, people still say that. I God damn it. I've heard it less for sure, but I cannot wait until the day that that's an unacceptable thing to say. Yeah, I know. It's pretty dumb. Uh, and when they say a foreign government contacted the FBI, uh, I'm going to go ahead and assume that's Australia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, because it was Alexander Downer who heard Papadopoulos popping off at the top of this uh, oh. esophagus <laughs> in the pub in England about... His interactions with Mifsud. Yes, right? spitting that hot fire, AG. Uh, <laughs> I totally stole it from Flight of the Concords, but thank you. All right, guys, then the report goes on to say that Mueller has determined Russia interfered with the elections and did so through two principal operations. First was the social media campaign that involved the Internet Research Agency, which we'll call the IRA, um, Russian troll farms, Concord management, and the like, basically favoring Trump and disparaging Clinton. Second, of course, is the hack and release operation of the stolen documents. Uh, The report also concludes that there were several links between the Russian government and the Trump campaign. Hmm. Several links. There were several links. And we'll go over them all in detail for you. Uh, But now I'd like to take you back a minute to March 24th, when Bill Barr decided to write the four-page letter summarizing the two-year Mueller investigation in less than 48 hours. Um, In that letter, not one full sentence from this report existed. But there was one sentence, the one that Barr used to draw his conclusion that there was no collusion, and it seemed to be taken out of context. And the hint that it was taken out of context for us, and we talked about this right after the Barr summary dropped, was that the no conspiracy sentence began in Barr's letter with a capital T in brackets, Mm -hmm. which indicates that the lower in the original Mueller report, there was a lowercase t which indicates to us that the sentence had an entire beginning part that was totally removed. So what Barr used in his letter went like this, quote, The investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. And that's the, that he, that's a part of a sentence that he used. The actual sentence, as written in the Mueller report, goes like this. <clears throat> and this is good. Quote, Although the investigation established that Russian government per, that the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and worked to secure that outcome, and that the Trump campaign expected it would benefit electorally from information stolen and released through Russian efforts, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump <laughs> campaign conspired or coordinated with the Russian government yeah. and it's an election real affairs activities. Real smooth, Barr. Real yeah. smooth. Barr just didn't like run on sentences. That was the problem. Oh, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. It was probably too confusing for him to understand it. Right. Yeah, to follow that it's many clauses along, that's hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, instead of, uh, Mueller says there's no coordination. It's like, although there was a shitload of meetings and tons of wrongdoing, there was no coordination or conspiracy Mm -hmm. that's a front heavy sentence it really is and he removed the entire front (laughs) 
And also notice the word collusion doesn't appear anywhere in that sentence. Uh, and that um, there was an entire setup, like I said, that Barr just sort of left out. And we know based on a story uh, about a 1989 Office of Legal Counsel memo he wrote, Barr wrote, and then later summarized for Congress, Barr has a history and a propensity for leaving out the important bits. The 1989 memo he wrote basically allowed the U.S. to abduct a foreign person on foreign soil without alerting the foreign state. And he did this pretty much to pave the way for a possible kidnapping of Manuel Noriega in Panama, where President Bush was calling for a coup. Uh, Barr then said he promised to summarize his memo to Congress, which he did. And when the actual memo was subpoenaed, it became clear that Barr did then exactly what he tried to do a month ago or a couple months ago now and completely downplayed the seriousness of the findings by omitting consequential details to provide cover for the president. Okay. And uh, he should be held accountable for withholding the information from the public. Oh, definitely. I'm starting to realize though, that maybe Trump hired Barr because like, you know how Comey and McCabe had their memos and really pissed Trump off. He's like, they're making up these memos and just means nothing and no, no credibility. He's like, oh, I got memos now. Yeah. I need a memo guy. I need a memo guy. <laughs> Who's the most assholery memo guy in the business? <laughs> that was a Craigslist post. <laughs> yes. Ask him what his strength was and he said negligence and i said <laughs> perfect <laughs> also his weakness <laughs> Mis- missed connections aren't you? you were the attorney general who wrote a shitty 1989 summary about a office of legal counsel uh memo about manuel noriega i saw you we met eyes I forget your name. Who are you? I need you to be the attorney general. <laughs> oh, man. They took those away from Craigslist. They're no longer know, on there. Sucks. Yeah. It's probably so, for the best. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I like that part. It's probably getting creepy. It's very fun for everyone else that was not involved. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I loved reading through them. Yeah. In college, we wouldn't go out. We'd get drunk and read those. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Totally. <laughs> I know. And I would always see if I was in there. Do you ever like, go in there and oh. see? I wonder if someone saw me across the karaoke bar. <laughs> With a glass of wine and my cat shirt. You know, whatever. (laughs) I love it. No, I was never on there. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Where do we go from here? Oh, then the Mueller report just kind of gives a roadmap for understanding the report and the underpinnings of the results and Mueller's charging decisions. And I'm just going to read this to you so that you have a clear understanding about the structure of the findings and how they're presented, which I think is incredibly important uh, to apply to the full report as we move forward discussing both volumes. So remember where we're at on the timestamp in this so that you can understand the mission of the report. Because whenever I do uh, have a task or a project, I always go back to the mission to understand what the main underpinnings and, and reasons for me doing something are. Um, and so if you write down the timestamp here, this is the, basically the mission of the Mueller report. Below, we describe the evidentiary considerations, underpinning statements about the results of our investigation and the special counsel's charging decisions. And then we provide an overview of the two volumes of our report. The report describes actions and events that the special counsel's office found to be supported by the evidence collected in our investigation. In some instances, the report points out the absence of evidence or conflicts in the evidence about a particular fact or event. In other instances, when substantial, credible evidence enabled the office to reach a conclusion with confidence, the report states that the investigation established that certain actions or events occurred. A statement that the investigation did not establish particular facts does not mean there was no evidence of those facts. (laughs) Very important. I'm going to read that again. A statement that the investigation did not establish particular facts does not mean there was no evidence of those facts. Typically not something you'd see in a document, I imagine, unless you are anticipating people will interpret it in the other way. (laughs) Totally. Uh, In evaluating whether evidence about collective action of multiple individuals constituted a crime, we applied the framework of conspiracy law. 
not the concept of collusion. Uh, In so doing, the office recognizes that the word collude was used in communications with acting attorney general, confirming certain aspects of the investigation's scope, and that the term has frequently been invoked in public reporting about the investigation. But collusion is not a specific offense or theory of liability found in the United States Code, nor is it a term of art in federal criminal law. For those reasons, the office's focus of uh, analyzing questions of joint criminal liability was on conspiracy as defined in federal law. In connection with that analysis, we addressed the factual question whether members of the Trump campaign coordinated a term that appears in the appointment order with Russian election interference activities. Like collusion, coordination does not have a settled definition in federal criminal law. We understood coordination to require an an agreement, tacit or express, between the Trump campaign and the Russian government on election interference. That requires more than the two parties taking actions that were informed by or responsive to the other's actions or interests. So what he's saying there is that it's not it's not just about two parties taking actions. Um, They have to have a tacit or express agreement. Mm -hmm. We applied the term coordination in the same sense when stating in the report that the investigation did not establish that the Trump campaign coordinated with the Russian government in its election interference activities. Then uh, so that's that's the mission there. That's the whole kind of structure and Mm -hmm. underpinning. Then there are two brief paragraphs outlining sections of the two volumes, which we will cover as we go. Uh, And then page four moves on to the executive summary to volume one. And I think these executive summaries are the summaries that Mueller's team prepared for the public that they asked five times for Barr Mm -hmm. to share with the public. And he never did. Um, But I'm not certain that separate ones weren't written. We still Mm kind of don't know. Yeah, that was a bit vague. I always wanted to see those summaries. These might be them. There might be other summaries. Um, But we know that Barr refused to hand out his summaries, even after they were fully redacted and handed to them in an envelope on the third time they asked or the fourth time they asked. And then we've seen that letter from Mueller to Barr saying, I don't like the way you characterize my shit, bro. Mm -hmm. Here's the summaries. Release these. And he still didn't. Um, And we still haven't heard from Mueller. So that's kind of where we are right now. What a shitty limbo. (laughs) I know. It's a weird place to be in. Um, The first section to the executive summary is about the Russian social media campaign. What's interesting to me in this section is that there are redactions for things that could cause harm in an ongoing matter in relation uh, to the Internet Research Agency. Um, Prigozhin, that's Putin's chef, and he's also the guy who runs Concord Management. I love that's the first descriptor we use for him. (laughs) Putin chef? Putin chef. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like nothing else, like murderer. (laughs) (laughs) Chef. (laughs) Le poisson. We give credit where it is due. (laughs) Uh, I think they call him that because he runs Concord Management and Concord Catering, and he provides all the meals to the Russian military. (laughs) So he's the chef. Uh, I've had military food, wouldn't call you a chef. (laughs) Um, these redactions are probably about the Concord management case, which is still being fought in court to be able to get he, they want all the Mueller evidence uh, in discovery, which would they would uh, then immediately hand over to the Kremlin. And Mueller is fighting that request. Um, this is a court case, by the way, where it seems Concord management hired American lawyers and um, they pursued this case in the U.S. just pretty much to be able to get documents from Mueller. And when they couldn't. They forged their own, set up an anonymous Twitter account and disseminated their fake documents, claiming they hacked Mueller. God. Um, that's a Jacob Wool move. If yeah, I've ever it's heard of. so desperate. I know, right? Like, did you have a LinkedIn profile too, <laughs> with pictures of models and your mom's phone number? Yep. Um, this is the same court case, by the way, where the judge was fed up with some of the methods employed by the lawyers for Concord Management, the American lawyers, because they were dropping f bombs and quoting Bugs Bunny cartoons. Uh, in their court filings. But in any case, I'm guessing those uh, Internet Research Agency redactions are for the Concord management battle. 
that's still in the court. But it could also mean there could be more Russian indictments coming. We just don't know. Uh, but we do know Hillary's personal email was targeted after Trump called for Russia to find her missing emails. And maybe there's more indictments coming for that. Yeah, definitely. And as we learned later on in the Mueller report, no spoilers, because uh, <laughs> we'll get there. There are definitely other entities. Yes, that's for sure. And it's yeah, it's weird. It's like, are there more Russian indictments coming? There right. could be. So if you're playing the Fantasy Indictment League on the main episode, you might want to throw some Russian randos uh, or just a rando. I guess they that kind of encompasses russians that's a good strategy yep all right so the report goes on to describe the social media disinformation campaign and says the internet research agency used social media accounts and interest groups to sow discord in the united states through information warfare it favored trump and it disparaged clinton uh, and we'll get into the details of that later in the report we get way into the details of yeah. that All right, guys, then we get to the executive summary of the Russian hacking operation. And Mueller confirms that GRU, which is the main intelligence directorate of the general staff of the Russian army, carried out the hacking. They began hacking in March 2016, targeting Clinton campaign staffers and John Podesta, as well as the DNC and DCCC. They stole hundreds and thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of documents, hundreds and (laughs) And dozens and thousands. (laughs) Add it all together, you get... A couple hundred thousand and some twelves. You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hundreds of thousands of documents and disseminated the stolen material through fake online personas known as DC Leaks and Guccifer 2.0 and then later through WikiLeaks. God damn. That that will still never be something that fully sinks in that an entire intelligence unit of a government put everything behind this. Yeah. That's insane. Isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, it's really and, crazy. And when you, no spoilers, but when we get in deeper into the report, it talks about all the different leased computers that they paid money for by mining, like stealing Bitcoin. And like mm-hmm. there are some in Arizona. It gets crazy. Yeah. It just it gets crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> so stick around for part three, <laughs> which is after part two. <laughs> Every. <laughs> Whoa. OK, Rebecca Black. <laughs> Time is linear. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Mueller found the Trump campaign showed interest in WikiLeaks. Uh, and interest in their releases and welcomed the damage to Clinton. Cool guy. Mm-hmm. Totally legal. Totally cool. Yeah, seems fine. Totally fine. Uh, every time WikiLeaks is brought up in this report, we see a lot of redactions indicating there could be harm to an ongoing matter. And that's likely the Roger Stone and Assange cases. Um, then we get to probably one of the most famous lines in Russian collusion. You hear it in our opening sequence every week. And the Mueller report says, quote, Trump announced he hoped Russia would recover emails described as missing from a private server used by Clinton when she was Secretary of State. He later said he was speaking sarcastically. And then nearly three full lines of redaction for harm to an ongoing matter. And I'm thinking that's that maybe a future Russian indictment. Yeah, I hope so. And also, how can he... What else would he claim he's speaking sarcastically on if he was actually held <laughs> accountable for it? He his, does this all the time. His oh, entire I was just joking. Twitter feed? Yeah. I was just joking. Exactly. About, could you just be joking about being president then and leave? Oh, God, please. But I was just joking. I'm out of here. He's just a real good comic. <laughs> Committed to the bit. Yeah. It is. It's one of those, uh, who was the guy with the other guy that pretended to be the guy? They did a movie called Man on the Moon. Oh, uh, Jim Carrey? No. He was in it. Okay, Andy And he Kaufman? played Andy Kaufman. Yeah. yeah and yeah, he had that yes. set, that persona. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they were never in the same room together. Right. When Jim Carrey was actually playing him like on set and stuff, yeah. you mean? Yeah. But then he shows up later in the movie with after after Andy Kaufman dies, and you're like, what? I thought you were, huh? <laughs> wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so, now you have to go watch that. We'll wait. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, right after those redactions, it continues uh, with WikiLeaks releasing Podesta's stolen emails less than an hour after the U.S. media outlet released video considered damaging to Trump. Uh, the yes, uh, I'm going to assume that's the access Hollywood grab by the pussy tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will get heavy into those details um, in Section 3. So the question for me is, why did the Mueller probe end if it, if it didn't seem to be finished yet? And who now is looking into these things? When we get to the referrals, let's count some of those unresolved cases and call one of them this potential additional Russian hacking indictment for trying to get into Hillary's deleted emails right after Trump asked the Russians to mm-hmm. do it. That could still be an ongoing investigation. Those are just beans. And when I say beans, I'm, it means I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can listen to episode 24 of the main episode with Dallas McLaughlin to find out what beans means. Or <laughs> go on our FAQ at MullerSheWrote.com. Yes, what does beans means? <laughs> I could have probably explained it to you in that time I told you where to go find it. But nah, this is fun. <laughs> a little but scavenger you, hunt for now beans. Now you have a mystery. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you guys don't have anything else to do tonight. <laughs> right, right. Just a little homework assignment for you. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be right back. Hey, guys, this is AG, and I am officially obsessed with Third Love. Not just because it's co-founded by a woman or that they're disrupting the old way of shopping for bras or because their ads feature real women with real bodies and curves and rolls and tattoos and piercings, but these are the best fitting bras I've ever owned because they actually use millions of measurements from real women to design their bras with the best size and shape in mind for your perfect fit. Um, They are the industry leader with more than 70 sizes and they have half cup sizes because half of women fall between cups like me. And they're super convenient because their Fit Finder quiz takes less than a minute, and I don't have to go to the store, have the lady chase me around with a tape measure, and then shove me in a room with a box of 50 bras that never quite fit right. Over uh, 12 million women have taken this quiz to date, and they take into account a lot of problems that, that you might have with your current bras by identifying the correct cup shape that you might not have considered when you purchased your other bra that might not even exist. Uh, whether you tend to experience ex- like spillage or digging straps, they ask you all those questions and then they recommend your perfect bra for you. And they have a 100% fit guarantee with easy and free returns and exchanges, which is really convenient. These are hands down the most comfortable, tagless, smooth, breathable bras I own and I know you'll love them. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering you 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com report to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com report for 15% off today. You'll be glad you did. Hello, welcome back. We are moving on and uh, we get a summary of Russian contacts with the Trump campaign. <laughs> In this section, which is 8 million pages long. No, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to summarize the contacts with the Trump campaign in Russia, but it opens up by saying the hacking operations coincided with a bunch of contacts with the Trump campaign uh, officials and Russians. And that's interesting to me because no longer are we talking about two wholly disconnected events in the hacking and the Russian meetings, right? Mueller connects the two. He says they're coincided because, of, as we've said all along, this was a coordinated attempt. And while Mueller, the Mueller investigation did not have the criminal link to that coordination, he he does say here with confidence that the Russian contacts uh, within the Trump campaign coincided with the hacking operation. And those words are important. If Mueller was just trying to say these things happened around the same time but had nothing to do with each other, I feel like he would have used a different word, like they occurred simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Coincided says something important here. And I think the words, you know, he's, he's a super deliberate fella. So he says, quote, the Russian contacts consisted of business connections, offers of assistance to the campaign, invitations for candidate Trump and Putin to meet in person invitations for campaign officials and representatives of the Russian government to meet, and policy positions seeking improved Russian relations. Hmm. In spring of 2016, Papadopoulos made contact with Mifsud, 
who uh, told him he had dirt on Hillary Clinton in the form of thousands of emails, tens and thousands and dozens. Uh, it was that's what I'm just going to call it from now on. It was uh, May of 2016 uh, when he drunk bragged about it to Alexander Downer. And that's how this whole thing got started. Mm-hmm. That's how this whole crazy mess got started. Mm-hmm. Uh, then in summer 2016, we have the Trump Tower meeting, June, you know, the old June 2016 Trump Tower meeting. We've been talking about it forever. And Mueller said there was no dirt provided in this meeting, but that Trump Jr. anticipated receiving dirt. And days after that meeting is when the cybersecurity firm announced that the DNC was hacked and got access to the opposition research on Trump, among other documents. So that's one of those coinciding things that he thought was important to mention. Not just like, oh, here's what was sort of happening at the same time. Interestingly and curiously enough, no, these are coincided events. Right. Right. He could have like blocked them together in a separate way or something. Right. Or just in a different timeline. Yeah. Um, it's it's not in the report, by the way, but that cybersecurity firm is CrowdStrike, uh, which we learned about in the book Russian Roulette by uh, Isakoff and Korn. And we also learned about it uh, early on in the Fusion GPS Glenn Simpson testimony transcripts. Remember those? Mm-hmm. You read those. They're great. They read like a spy novel if you get a chance. <laughs> um, then we have Carter Page's July 2016 trip to Moscow where he gave the keynote at the New Economic School. Uh, the campaign then began distancing itself from Hat Boy and fired him in September of 2016. And while Page was receiving his or well, while Page was giving his speech over in Moscow, that's when WikiLeaks began releasing emails stolen by the GRU. Uh, within days, the U.S. intel agencies reported with high confidence it was Russia. And within a week, quote, a foreign government informed the FBI about its May 2016 interaction with Papadopoulos. Again, that's Australia, Alexander Downer, though that's not specifically stated here. We do know that, though, from other reporting now that we've covered in our other episodes. Right. And that's why I'm filling in the blanks for you. Totally. Totally. They did kind of lag on that, too, a little bit on giving us those tips. Months. Couple months. Mm -hmm. But apparently Alexander Downer isn't the most uh, trustworthy politician in Australia. Yeah. I guess he has like a weird reputation (laughs) over there. (laughs) He's like kind of weird. And I think he's a funky guy. Yeah. Just a weird dude. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like laughable. Like a laughable fella. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and not in a good way. Peculiar. Yeah. Um, funny peculiar. Yeah, people are very surprised that he was like <clears throat> the beacon of tipping off U.S. intelligence. Right. We have him in our sexy justice calendar. People are like, don't put that weird guy <laughs> in your justice calendar. And I'm like, oh, all right. So I didn't know. Yeah. Now we know. And on the last day of July um, in 2016, based on the foreign government reporting, the FBI, is that's when they opened their investigation into Trump-Russia. So... And we got that whole timeline from McCabe, too, in his book and in his interview on our show a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. All right. Then we have the August 2nd meeting between Kalimnik, Konstantin Kalimnik, and Manafort in the cigar bar, I think, in, in the Devil Building, 666 <laughs> Fifth Avenue. Mueller says during this meeting, Kalimnik delivered a peace plan for Ukraine that Manafort told prosecutors was a backdoor way for Russia to control part of the eastern Ukraine. Both men figured they would need Trump's assent. And they also discussed Trump's campaign strategy for winning Democratic votes in Midwestern states or stealing them. (laughs) Months before that, uh, months before the August 2nd meeting, Manafort had caused internal polling data to be shared with Kalimnik. That's an interesting way to phrase that. (laughs) Yes. And we now know why he phrased it that way, um, because this is uh, Gates. uh, he, He instructed Gates to share the polling data with Kalimnik. Uh, remember when Gates came forward with this information during the Manafort trial, 
he said, I might have some exculpatory information. And he gave it to Mueller and Mueller handed it over to the judge. And the judge said when she was trying to decide if uh, Manafort breached his plea agreement or not. And the judge was like, this doesn't fucking make a difference. <laughs> Basically, what said, what happened was instead, I think in I think what Mueller was asserting to the judge was that Manafort shared the internal polling data with Kalimnik. And Gates was like, oh, no, 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 no. Manafort had me do that. And he was like, oh, OK. And so he told the judge and they're yeah. like, yeah, he's just he's still he still lied. Orchestrated. <laughs> yeah. Lied and orchestrated. <laughs> right, like this doesn't get you off the hook but good good call for getting me the truth and that's that's specifically what that is judge ruled the information again had no impact on that ruling that manafort (laughs) breached his plea agreement but um that's why the wording seems weird here manafort had caused internal polling data to be shared with kalimnik um after the election many russians tried to make inroads with trump including kirill dmitriev the ceo of the russian sovereign wealth fund who is the guy who met with Eric Prince in the Seychelles. Mm -hmm. Then we learned something we did not know. I did not know this, at least, and I hadn't reported on it, and we hadn't done that on the show. That doesn't mean somebody else didn't know. Uh, That Dmitriev was introduced to a friend of Kushner that wasn't part of the campaign, and Kushner's pal and Dmitriev wrote up a reconciliation plan for Russia and the United States that ended up in Kushner's hands, who then gave it to uh, Bannon and Rex Tillerson. That's such bullshit, too, because Kushner wanted to be the foreign diplomacy guy, and then he just got his friend to do it and was like, look what I did. <laughs> Gives it to <laughs> took all the credit. <laughs> I hate those fuckers that do that. It reminds me of I'm watching Bad Men again, and like he takes everyone's ideas and gets yes. paid for it. Mm-hmm. And Fuck Peggy's him. like, well, how about you just tell thank you, say thank you to me? And he's like, that's what the money's for. <laughs> Maybe Kushner paid this guy. Uh, the report doesn't say his name, but we know it because we're smart and awesome. Uh, this guy's name is Rick Gerson. It's actually part of public reporting. <laughs> we just picked it up. But uh, Rick Gerson, I don't know if you remember this, but we added him to the fantasy indictment draft in June of 2018, a year ago, when we reported that Mueller was investigating Gerson for his contact with MBZ prior to the Seychelles meeting with Nader, Prince, and Dmitriev. Mm-hmm. He was also at the uh, mid-December meeting at the Four Seasons in New York with Kushner, MBZ, Nader, Flynn, and Bannon. Dude. He's a good person to keep on that league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is true. Rick Gerson. Hmm. All right. Maybe. It kind of seems like one of those things that would have come and gone already, but who knows? Yeah. It, and that meeting wasn't brought up in the Mueller report, at least not in this part. Yeah. Uh, then December 29th, uh, after the election, Obama imposed the sanctions for election malfeasance, and Flynn called Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, and said, hey, don't do anything. Uh, we'll take care of this. And the next day, Putin says he wasn't going to retaliate. And Trump tweeted it out saying, great move on delay by V. Putin. I always knew he was smart. No one needs his first initial. V. Putin sounds like... Very Putin. Sounds like vagina. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like a euphemism for my... Yeah, ha. yeah. Like my V. Putin. Uh, and the next day, Kislyak... V. Putin out. <laughs> Sorry, that took half a second too long. <laughs> I, it's worth it. <laughs> Sometimes it does. Uh, and then and then the next day, uh, Kislyak called Flynn back and told him his request was received at the highest levels of the Russian government, uh, Putin, because Putin chose not to react because of Flynn's phone call. Recently, um, the judge in the Flynn case has ordered that the transcripts of those calls be released to the public by May 31st. Um, today is May 22nd, 2019, in case you're listening 30 years from now. Uh, along with, uh, also, he's going to release redacted portions of the Mueller report that involve Flynn and the Dowd voicemail to Flynn. Uh, Trump's lawyer called Flynn, left a voicemail, dangling a pardon and, and trying to get him to lie to Congress or to Mueller. Uh, so far, there's no objections to that ruling. So mm, we got nine days to see what happens. Um, we move on to page eight now in the Mueller report with a brief timeline of the subsequent events, including that in January of 2017, after he took office. 
uh, the Intel community, actually, I think it was right before he took office, the Intel community, or IC, briefed Trump on a joint assessment between the CIA, FBI, and NSA that they had concluded with high confidence that Russia intervened in our elections to help Trump and harm Clinton, and a declassified version of that report was released the same day. To put this into context, we've heard probably a zillion times that 17 intelligence agencies reached the same conclusion, which isn't quite the case. Uh, The NSA, CIA, and FBI reached this conclusion, and the rest of the intelligence agencies did not dispute it. Most of those other intelligence agencies don't even, like, look into this stuff. It would be like the airplane intelligence agency or the the, Air Force. (laughs) Navy has the airplanes. Air Force has chairs. Okay. (laughs) Then for me, sorry, love you guys. Love the Air Force. Uh, Hoo-ya, that's Navy. I don't know what you do. Does the Air Force have a a noise? You don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking a plane. Spaceman, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that helicopter we had go over earlier. That's that's their noise. Uh, all right. So anyway, sorry. Hmm. Then from mid-January to mid-February, the HIPSI, that's the Senate Select Committee, uh, the HIPSI is the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, HPSCI, and the SISI, the Senate Committee on Select Committee on Intelligence, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, and the Senate Judiciary Committee announced they would uh, conduct inquiries or had already begun to look into Russian interference. Comey later confirmed to Congress the existence of the FBI's investigation into Trump Russia that had begun before the election with the Australian call about Papadopoulos. Mm -hmm. On March 20th, 2017, Comey said in an open session before HIPSI, I have been authorized by the Department of Justice to confirm that the FBI... Uh, as part of our counterintelligence mission, is investigating the Russian government's efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. And that includes investigating the nature of any links between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the Russian government, and whether there was any coordination between the campaign and Russia's efforts. Uh, As with any counterintelligence investigation, this will also include an assessment of whether any crimes were committed. The baby introduction to an investigation <laughs> by Comey there. And this is interesting because right now we don't know where that counterintelligence investigation went. And we know that Mueller's criminal investigation was very narrow. But Comey says here, as with any counterintelligence investigation, this will also include an assessment of whether any crimes were committed. So there could be other crimes um, outlined in the counterintelligence report that have not been charged or discussed or even known about. Yeah. Because Mueller's, Mueller's scope was very narrow. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, this is an important prepared statement because Comey uh, says that the investigation into coordination and conspiracy was not simply a criminal one. It was um, the criminal investigation to determine if the coordination and conspiracy with Russia rose to the level of illicit criminal activity able to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. What is not in this report, at least as we can see so far, is any of the counterintelligence portion of the investigation into coordination and conspiracy uh, between the campaign and Russia. But we know from public reporting and information that we've gathered from experts, along with information gleaned from this report, that counterintelligence investigation went on alongside the criminal investigation conducted by Mueller. And again, that counterintelligence information was gathered by FBI agents. And we currently don't know where it is, except today, Adam Schiff, head of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, which is this where, where Comey was testifying when he said this, uh, made a deal with uh, Attorney General Barr that uh, Barr is going to start handing over counterintelligence investigation information related to the Mueller investigation uh, in exchange for not being held in contempt. <laughs> so the threat of contempt worked, so he canceled the vote today to hold Barr in contempt, and uh, the Department of Justice said, we'll, hand, we'll start handing, we'll see what they hand over, 
Right. We'll see how redacted it is, but he's going to start handing over that counterintelligence information to Schiff. Well, because the question is still yet to be answered if it's even done or not yet, or like who, which parts have been handed off to who, if any, and, and yeah, how that would even, what map that would even look like. Yeah, I haven't, it's, it's such a mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when, and when I spoke to McCabe, he's like, I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> and I opened it. Like he would say anything That's if true. he knew. But I figure he would probably say, AG, I can't tell you that. You know, yeah. but he's yeah. like, dude, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's he's true. such a cool dude. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's see here. According to the NBC reporting on April 19th, uh, the NBC, according <laughs> to the NBC, you kids listen to these days, um, the FBI and other intelligence agencies are still pursuing a counterintelligence effort to thwart the Russian influence operations into 2020 interference. Some key aspects of the counterintelligence inquiry, such as the FBI warning the Trump campaign about Russian interference and the campaign not contacting law enforcement, is missing from the Mueller report. It also doesn't talk about the firing of Comey or other acts of obstruction as counterintelligence issues. It does. It talks about them as obstruction issues, but not national security issues, because we know firing Comey, which kind of inhibited the FBI from investigating Mm -hmm is a national security and therefore a counterintelligence issue. Yeah. Uh, The volume one summary then goes on to tell us that May 9th, 2017, Comey was fired by Trump and that action is analyzed in volume two. Comey's firing came seven weeks into his investigation of Trump Russia. And eight days later, Snoop Dagg, that's who we call the deputy attorney general Rosenstein, uh, appointed special counsel Robert Mueller and authorized him to investigate what Comey was looking into as well as matters arising directly from that investigation and uh, other matters within the scope of 28 CFR Section 600.4A, which generally covers obstruction. Shout um, out to Andrew McCabe for playing a huge role in that as well. Definitely. Just so when this goes down in history, everyone oh. knows that McCabe was the boy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah McCabe had several meetings with Rosenstein mm-hmm. about this um, particular thing, and Rosenstein's, what the fuck do I do? He fired Comey. And McCabe's like, got to get a special counsel, man. You got to get a special counsel. Mm-hmm. Kept poking at him, kept poking at him. Finally, like, all right, I'm going to do a special counsel. Hey, everyone. <laughs> I had a great idea all by myself. I'm going to get a special counsel. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> CFR, 28 CFR section 604.604A. That's the CFR code, code of federal regulations, governing special counsel and the specific sections listed outlines their jurisdiction. So you can read that if you want. It's real juicy. Mullen is not. Mueller <laughs> says Trump reacted negatively uh, to the appointment of special counsel and said it was the end of his presidency. <laughs> he said, oh, damn it. I think his, I think his actual quote was, uh, I'm fucked. Yeah, it was definitely <laughs> that. Uh, he sought to have Sessions unrecuse himself and fire Mueller. He engaged in efforts to stop the investigation and prevent the disclosure of evidence to it. And that's all outlined in volume two. Uh, Guys, we'll be right back with the summary of charging decisions. Hey, guys, this is AG. I wanted to tell you about a great new podcast called The Primary Ride Home. So we know the Mueller report is out. It's been out for a while now. We know impeachment is uh, being slow walked right now by the Democrats. But there is one sure way of having your voice heard, and that's the ballot box. And somebody's going to challenge Donald Trump for the White House. The Primary Ride Home is a podcast dedicated to figuring out who that someone or maybe even multiple someones will end up being. As the name implies, this awesome podcast covers the presidential primaries. Every day at 5 p.m. Eastern, veteran journalist and This American Life contributor Chris Higgins will catch you up on what has happened on the campaign trail. Who's up, who's down, what issues are getting traction, and what the polls say. It's a 15 to 20 minute show that keeps track of all the latest and summarizes it so you don't have to be nervously refreshing your web browser 12 times a day. It's like too long didn't read as a service. 
So if you want to catch up on what you missed on your way home, search your podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Primary Ride Home podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, guys, welcome back. We are now at the bottom of page eight. That whole time, that whole middle <laughs> section took, was page eight. Um, and this is where the report summarizes Mueller's charging decisions. And he begins by defining what a crime is and what standards he used to determine whether or not to charge anyone with a crime. And they're very high standards. <laughs> First, he had to determine if the conduct broke federal criminal law, chargeable under the principles of federal prosecution, as outlined in the Justice Manual. Then Mueller describes for us the standards set forth in the manual to determine if something is a crime. And if it is, is the uh, admissible evidence probably sufficient to obtain and sustain a conviction? And finally, whether prosecuting the crime would serve a substantial federal interest that couldn't be satisfied elsewhere or by non-criminal alternatives. Impeachment. <laughs> <laughs> Three, two, one. 45, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Non-criminal alternatives. Where was I? Where was I? Hi, I'm Dan Dunn, host of What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn, the most wildly entertaining adult beverage-themed podcast in the history of the medium. That's right, the boozy best of the best, baby. And we have the cool celebrity promos to prove it. Check this out. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Boom is right, Academy Award winner Allison Janney. As you can see, celebrities just love this show. How cool is that? Hey, this is Scotty Pippen, and you're listening to The Dan Dunn Show. And, wait, hold on. The name of the show is what? All right, sure. Scotty Pippen momentarily forgot the show's name, but there's a first time for everything. Hey, everyone, this is Scoot McNary. I'm here with Dan Dunn on What Are You Drinking? What's it called again? Fine, twice. But famous people really do love this show. Hi, this is Will Forte, and you're, for some reason, listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. What do you mean for some reason, Will Forte? What's going on? Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please, send help. Send help? Oh, come on, Kurt Russell. Can somebody out there please help me? I'm Dita Von Tees, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. <laughs> Let me try one more time. Come on. Is that oh, right? Sorry. What We're no, Drinking? It's amazing. It's, it's it amazing. Right, it's just... Is it right? Ah, that's better. So be like Dita Von Teese, friends, and listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, available wherever you get your podcasts. So Renato, do you still have your own podcast? Yeah, it's complicated. What's so complicated about a podcast? That's the name of the podcast, remember? Oh, will you still be exploring topics that help us understand the week's news? You bet. But we'll have a new name because we're going to be working together to explore complicated issues that are dominating the news. Working together? Yeah, you're hosting it with me, remember? Oh, right. Wait, does that mean our podcast is going to have a steam mop segment? Let's not get carried away. But we'll discuss hot new legal topics. So check out our new episode coming soon to everywhere you get podcasts as well as YouTube. Ah, right. <laughs> uh, Mueller reminds us that uh, Section 5 of the Mueller report provides detailed explanations of the charging decisions, uh, which contain three components. Number one, Mueller says two principal interference operations by Russia violated the law. 
Number two, while Mueller identified numerous links between Russia and the Trump campaign, the evidence was not sufficient to support criminal charges of conspiracy. Uh, But Mueller does go on to be a little more specific, saying that, among other things, the evidence wasn't sufficient to charge any campaign official under the Foreign Agents Registration Act and uh, that the evidence about the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting and WikiLeaks release of hacked materials was not sufficient to charge criminal campaign finance violations. Finally, the evidence was not sufficient to charge that any Trump people conspired with Russia to interfere in the 2016 election. So that could leave room for counterintelligence information relating to the coordination and conspiracy surrounding WikiLeaks and also the the Trump Tower meeting, because only campaign finance violations are mentioned here specifically. But that should be something Congress should ask Mueller when he testifies. Yeah, I agree. And also so frustrating that there's such a high standard <laughs> to be convicted. Right. And he's so thing, conservative about it. Yeah, too. it's obviously like a good thing in general for people, probably. But for white collar crimes, not really. <laughs> for white collar crimes, not really. Yeah, no. Uh, it's kind of sad um, how much people get away with white collar crimes. Yeah. And I, I know we've talked about this before, mainly because of um, reading Comey and McCabe's book about just the level of evidence you have to have to to not only you know charge crimes uh, in the, of the white collar nature but that that you know 911 sucked all the money out of white collar criminal investigations and put it into counter counterterrorism yeah uh, investigations and, and rightfully so but like then all these white collar criminals run free yes and then if you're even so much as in the wrong place at the wrong time on the street or something around people that are like smoking dope then you get arrested and thrown in jail it's just fucking bullshit yeah all right well fuck <laughs> <laughs> i quit no yeah so the third component of charging decisions is that Mueller established several Trump aides lied to him and to Congress about their interactions with Russians and related matters. And those lies materially impaired the investigation of Russian interference. Uh, and here's where I want to bring something up. It was discussed uh, a while back that collusion could be the obstruction when it came to light that firing Comey, while it's traditional obstruction, uh, could also be seen as counterintelligence national security matter because his firing would have made the investigation into interference difficult. That poses a national security threat. We just sort of mentioned that a minute ago. Here, too, where Mueller says that the lies told by Trump associates impaired his investigation into Russian interference uh, and could pose a national security threat. Perhaps that's in the counterintelligence report, and we haven't seen it, mm-hmm. that the people who lied to Mueller are, pose a national security threat and is a counterintelligence problem, and that could we might be able to see that if we ever get any of the counterintelligence stuff, which I don't know if the public will ever see it. Yeah, that would make me feel a little bit better and sleep a little bit better at night to know that they can't just lie and then get away with it essentially with no follow-up actions. But realistically, that's probably not what it was. Yeah, and they're still walking around, so. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Like they haven't been nabbed. Yeah, that's true. God, I wish they just arrested them all and just were like, just hang out in this tank for a second while we figure this out. (laughs) Yeah, and Americans are like, why'd they get arrested? And like, we can't tell you. Yeah. (laughs) It's not. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. It's a secret. (laughs) They look suspicious. Yeah, totally. And then Mueller actually goes on to say he charged some of those lies as violations, right? Mm -hmm. So he did charge some people. We know that, too. Yeah. uh, Under 1001, which is the false statement statute. Yeah, that's Um, true. That's how he got a lot of plea deals. Flynn pleaded guilty to lying about his interactions with Kislyak during the transition. Papadopoulos pleaded guilty as uh, as well about lying about Mifsud. And Cohen pleaded guilty for false statements about Trump Tower Moscow. Um, Then, of course, he talks about Manafort's lies, but only after there's a redacted bit 
because of harm to it and open an ongoing investigation. And since it comes after Cohen lies and before Manafort lies, perhaps this redacted part has to do with someone else lying about Trump Tower. Uh, we both know Don Jr. did that. so, mm-hmm. And we know Felix Sater did, too. But Felix Sater is an FBI informant. He actually helped us catch bin Laden. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting, complex guy. Yeah. So uh, he lied to Congress, but I don't know if Congress was in on it or if it's still <laughs> illegal to lie to Congress. You asked this question the other day, like, can you st- can you lie to Congress just because you helped get bin Laden? Like, yeah. <laughs> You get one lie. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's just what he does. He lies. <laughs> but he also talks. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or this is an entire new lie we haven't even seen a prosecution for. It could be uh, information about Flynn's lies, which are still a matter of an ongoing investigation, uh, particularly as they uh, in regards with, to Stone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and he'll be part of that trial coming up in November. Uh, on to page 10 here where the special counsel's office says they investigated several other events we've talked about and uh, found that uh, interactions between Trump and uh, the Trump people in Kislyak at the April 2016 foreign policy speech, and then again at the RNC, the Republican National Convention, were non-substantive. Uh, same goes for the passing meeting between Sessions and Kislyak in Senate Sessions, uh, in Senate uh, Sessions Senate Office. Sessions <laughs> Seychelles. It's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is where uh, in in the beginning in our uh, opening sequence where he's I did not uh, I did not have. Relations relations with the Russians. <laughs> I got it. Confused. I know I confuse yeah. it with Clinton. I did not have sexual yeah, relations. Yeah, yeah. I the was Russians. a surrogate at a time or two, and I did not have communications with the Russians. Yeah, but you nice. know what? He, say, he actually said, "I didn't not." Oh. He stumbled and said, "I didn't not have communications with the Russians." Was and it that intentional? Might have gotten him off the hook. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> right? He's probably trained about for that. that. But, you know, that he had that sort of pass-by meeting at that whatever, I can't remember if it was the prayer breakfast or some Mayflower. breakfast, ironically, yeah. Mayflower, some He's dumb shit meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and he, like, sort of, pa- I just bumped into Kislyak. I did not have conversations. Uh, they determined it wasn't substantive. Yeah. Uh, then there's a weird sentence. I'm, I'm going to read it verbatim. It says, quote, and the investigation did not establish that one campaign official's efforts to dilute a portion of the Republican Party platform on providing assistance to Ukraine were undertaken at the behest of candidate Trump or Russia. It's a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically, it says the investigation did not establish that one dude didn't have an effect on the RNC platform. And uh, I think it's interesting that he says one campaign official's efforts to change the platform at the RNC were not undertaken at the behest of Trump or Putin, which sort of indicates that someone else's efforts were uh, undertaken at the behest of Trump or Putin. Uh, And official, you know, officials undertaken at their behest seems deliberate. So someone should, like, first of all, put some beans on it and two, ask Mueller about it. Mm -hmm. Who was... Who's the one? This one guy didn't. Who's the? Is there another dude? Another mm-hmm. lady? Who did it? What's yeah. up? <laughs> That's just a weird sentence. And it's not, it doesn't explain it. Maybe it does later in the report, but I don't remember. Yeah, it is weird. It's very different in tone from the rest of it. Yeah. It should say no officials made any changes. Mm-hmm. It just says one guy. Uh, then he goes on to tell us that uh, lots of Trump's people invoked the Fifth Amendment and were not appropriate candidates to grant immunity to. Uh, Mueller says he, uh, I mean, the reason he says that is because once you grant immunity to somebody, they aren't allowed to plead the fifth. Mm. So these these are guys who didn't deserve immunity, but pleaded the fifth. Uh, Mueller says he limited his pursuit of other witnesses and information. Uh, says, I, yeah, he, he limited his pursuit of other witnesses and information. So some of the intel was covered by privilege. 
this is sort of the, the like when you do a dissertation, you have your limitations on you know your your data and what you know you're you're drawing a conclusion. But here's the limits. I only talked to six people, really. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so what what he's saying here is we had people plead the fifth. We had people lie to me. Um, some of the intelligence was covered by privilege. Some was screened by investigators um, by a taint team to see if it was covered by privilege. Sometimes witnesses provided false or incomplete information, which led to uh, some of the false statements charges mentioned earlier. And of course, the office couldn't always get witnesses or documents like from abroad or overseas. So this section, again, is mostly him telling you everything that limited his ability to get evidence. And uh, I think it's important that he pointed this out, not only because, I mean, you should always point out what your limitations are in any investigation and the results, but it could have impacted whether or not he was able to get that final piece to, to link criminal conspiracy at that level needed to prosecute. Yeah, I appreciate him including those details. Yeah, me too. Uh, And the next paragraph will piss you off because it pissed me off. And I want to know what couldn't be corroborated because of this bullshit. Basically, Mueller couldn't corroborate some evidence because people either deleted, encrypted, or used temporary messenger apps to communicate. So Mueller, quote, couldn't corroborate witness statements through comparison to contemporaneous communications or fully question witnesses about statements that appeared inconsistent with other known facts. Uh, And that right there says that there's some shit that people got away with because they tampered with evidence and and he couldn't prove it and he couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. That sucks. Damn. Uh, And Mueller even says so, quote, while this report is accurate and complete to the greatest extent possible, given these identified gaps, the office cannot rule out the possibility that the unavailable information would shed additional light on or cast new light, sorry, cast in a new light the events described in this report. He's basically saying, I can't say that there weren't crimes or, yeah. mm-hmm. or that there were because there's gaps in the evidence, even though even though I'm good. He's like, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Yeah. Psychic can't read minds. You know, <laughs> if they lie to him, they lie. Yeah, that's a great sentence. It's a little weirded word. It's weirdly worded, (laughs) which I can't even say. Weird thing to say. Yeah, yeah. While this report is accurate and complete to the greatest extent possible, given these gaps, the office cannot rule out the possibility that the unavailable information would shed additional light on or cast in a new light the events described in the report. Mm. Boom. Way to write a sentence. (laughs) Um, On to page 11 in uh, section Roman numeral 1 in volume 1 entitled The Special Counsel's Investigation. Basically outlines when and by whom and under what authority Mueller was appointed. It then gives uh, and defines the scope of the investigation with policy citations and gives the Snoop Dagg clarifications, Rosenstein's clarifications, and his two subsequent memos. This is the fuck off section. (laughs) Yeah, this is the one one back. Yeah, Yeah, like... Here's why I get to do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the August 2nd, 2017 memo for the public that Rosenstein wrote is the one that outlined Mueller's authorization to investigate Page, Manafort, and Papadopoulos, uh, and if they committed a crime or crimes by colluding with the Russian government uh, officials. And you know what's interesting is when this, when this memo first came out, the word collusion was in there, and I was like, oh, look, they used the word collusion. Haha, so collusion is a crime. And now I'm wondering if Rosenstein didn't use that word on purpose. Exactly, because I don't trust him. And now that Mueller's coming out saying that they were never considering it, by definition, collusion, mm-hmm. makes me wonder why he would say that from the jump. He and must he have said known. That, and he said that too earlier. He's like, even though Rosenstein used this word in his memo, it's not a legal word. It's yeah. almost like, why the fuck did you do that, exactly. man? Exactly. Who do you work for? 
But I think, and I think it's a ref, uh, it's something Asha Rangappa calls reflexive control. It's an active measure used by Russians where you change the definitions of words so that you can screw people over later. Wow. Uh, and, and collusion is one of those words. And this could have been purposefully planted by Putin and his team. Oh, that would explain um, a lot because Rosenstein during that press conference with Barr was like a robot. So he's a sleeper agent. That would totally explain it. <laughs> it's weird, right? Yeah. I'm like, why did you put collusion in there if that's not a crime? But he did. Crimes of collusion. Um, it also went on to discuss uh, Mueller's scope regarding Manafort and crimes arising from payments he got working for Ukraine, along with the loans he got from that guy he promised a job to in the Trump White House. Remember that guy? <laughs> we had beans on that guy. Uh, but then it says Mueller should investigate allegations that Papadopoulos was acting as an unregistered agent of Israel. And that's new to us, mm-hmm. uh, along with uh, four sets of allegations about Flynn. Uh, so that's what was under those redacted bits in the Snoop Dagg memo. Interesting. Excited to hear more about that Israel stuff. I know. I, what? Like, Over time. Israel. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and because I, wasn't PSYOPs out of Israel? Yeah. Actually, Ukraine, I want to say. No, oh, I think no, you're right. was Israeli. Yeah, and they just or compromised. Cube. You're right. Black Cube, Black Cube is Israeli, and they compromised Ukraine um, that's systems. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And totally they were trying right. to use Black Cube to do some of the internet um social media campaigns yeah and zamel totally uh was part of that thing mm-hmm. yeah he's israeli he's an israeli sketch as fuck or is he qatar no uh pretty sure he's israeli, he's israeli. Mm-hmm. uh al oman he is the from the cutter investment authority so maybe that's it papadopoulos had something to do with black cube and and zamel mm. I don't know. Those are beans. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> then there was the October 20th memo, which confirmed Mueller's investigative authority to include Cohen, Gates, redacted, <laughs> Stone, and redacted. <laughs> nice. uh, it recognized Mueller's authority to look into Cohen and his establishment and use the essential consultants to receive funds from Russian-backed entities. It also allowed Mueller... It, it handed that off, though. It also allowed Mueller to see if anyone uh, was working with any of these guys, including Manafort. And finally, the memo described an FBI investigation opened before Mueller's appointment into whether Sessions lied to the Senate. And it allowed Mueller to look into that, too. And apparently he concluded he did not. Uh, Let's see. Gates. Cohen, Gates, redacted, Stone, and redacted. (laughs) I don't know. Assange? Um... I, we could guess it's like all wheel day. of fortune. Yeah, it is. Yeah, just spin the wheel of criminals. And like to solve the puzzle. Wheel of criminals. <laughs> <laughs> wheel of misfortune. <laughs> just literally spinning on a wheel. <laughs> In handcuffs. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. just put them up there. Uh, the report then says that because Mueller had the full authority of a U.S. attorney. Uh, that he would be privy to any FBI evidence already gathered. And since the FBI had been on this for 10 months, Mueller got a significant amount of evidence right off the bat, just boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says that the office finished the investigation into links in coordination with Russia, but that certain proceedings associated with Mueller remain ongoing and that those have been transferred to other components of the Department of Justice and FBI. And Appendix D lists those transfers. Uh, what would be transferred back to the FBI besides counterintelligence stuff, mm. I wonder? Probably just, probably just the counterintelligence stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then the report describes that Mueller hired 19 attorneys, five from private practice, 14 on detail, along with 40 FBI agents they were co-located with. Uh, then they give all the numbers that you hear Trump say over and over again. The numbers break down 2,800 subpoenas, 500 warrants, 230 requests for records, 50 pen registers, 13 requests for foreign governments. Uh, and 500 witnesses, including 80 for the grand jury. Yeah, where, where's the priceless joke in there? I don't know. <laughs> What's the punchline? 
And the grand jury is still convened, just so you know. I think they're up in June. Uh, finally, Mueller describes the relationship to the FBI counterintelligence division and once again makes clear that this report does not contain those findings. Still searching for that. <laughs> um, quote, from its, from its inception, the office recognized that its investigation could identify foreign intelligence and counterintelligence info relevant to the FBI's broader national security mission. So basically he's saying we had a bunch of FBI guys sitting in the office with us and whenever something counterintelligence would come up, they would catch it, put it in their pocket and uh, <laughs> smile. No, then they would write, <laughs> give written briefs to the FBI or Department mm-hmm. of Justice as needed. Um, send it back to FBI headquarters and the field offices. Uh, those communications and other correspondence between the office and the FBI contain information derived from the investigation, not all of which is contained in this volume. This volume is a summary It contains, uh, in the office's judgment, the information necessary to account for the special counsel's prosecution and declination decisions and to describe the investigation's main factual results. So there's a lot that's not in this report. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exciting. That that excites me. Yeah, but where's it all? I guess that's all the underlying evidence in the grand jury material. The B-side, yeah. (laughs) That whole reason that I wanted to ever run for, that's like the only reason I would ever want to run for Congress is I could be there and read what was in the... Oh, it's never too late. Yeah, yeah. That should be your whole campaign. I'm only here to read the Mueller report. (laughs) (laughs) Just never let it die. (laughs) Just here for the Mueller report. Uh, It's 2029. We have a new president. I don't care. I want to see it. Give it to me. See? Uh, But guys, that's part one. Um, Woo. Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Ooh, and uh, hefty. It is. It's thick and it's mighty. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be back with you next Thursday evening with part two. And, uh, of course, you can join us every Sunday for our main episode. If you're a patron, uh, which you can sign up to become by going to patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote, for as little as three bucks a month. We do daily updates. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, they're pretty They're pretty neat. They're pretty fun. They're a little less structured a lot more more swears loosey goosey but it's fun yeah it is fun they're my favorite Mm -hmm. Um, but we really thank you for listening and uh, stick around for part two I've been AG I've been Jaleesa Johnson I've been Jordan Coburn and this is Muller She Wrote Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. They might be giants that have been on the road for too long. Too long. And they might be giants aren't even sorry. Not even sorry. And audiences like the shows too much. Too much. And now they might be giants are playing their breakthrough album, Flood. All of it. And they still have time for other songs. They're fooling around. Who can stop They Might Be Giants and their liberal rock agenda? Who? No one. This ad was paid for with somebody else's money. MSW Media. Hi, I'm Liz Winstead. I'm Moji Alawode Al. And we're the hosts of Feminist Buzzkills, the only weekly podcast that helps you navigate the post-row hellscape. 
We dissect all the news from that sketchy intersection of abortion and misogyny with our guests, the abortion providers and activists working on the ground. Plus, we have amazing comedians to help us laugh through the rage. Feminist Buzzkills drops Fridays wherever you get your pod fix. Listen and subscribe because when BS is popping, we pop off.